You're listening to the Get Clear Up podcast, a space dedicated to the female experience. I'm your host, holistic health practitioner and women's sexual health expert, Callie Shea. Y'all, I am so fucking fired up about this episode. We just finished recording a few minutes ago and I am still buzzing And I just thought I'd record a little intro, introduce you to the episode. I want to explain a little bit about my um, story with Boudoir, as well as a conversation that Caitlin and I had after the recording ended, mics are off, and I wish we had caught it on tape, but here we are. I'm just going to recap it a little bit. Um, Basically, in this episode, I am chatting with Caitlin of Caitlin Scott Boudoir. She's fucking amazing. Her platform is really based around um, body acceptance, and you will hear all about that in the episode. And... This is really such an important topic to me because the first time I even considered doing a boudoir shoot, I remember my first thought was that um, this was shamey, that I was dirty for wanting to do this, that this was not something that quote unquote classy women did, which is such fucking bullshit. You can be classy as fuck with your tits out all the way. So I... I really, I think boudoir is something that's so, I think I said this like a thousand times in the episode where I said it's just like a beautiful, magical thing. And it really is because there is nothing quite like taking a photo of your ass and then seeing it later and being like, damn, I'm fucking hot. Like that feels so good. And I think that it just creates such a space to uh, worship your own body basically in the best way possible and really love your body as it is in that moment, in that photo. And, you know, when I, like I said, when I first did boudoir, I was 18 or 19, I think. And I did it because a local photographer was trying to build out her portfolio. She was offering free sessions and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And it was amazing. It was the most powerful thing I think I've ever done um, in terms of really like seeing my body for what it was and loving exactly where it was in that moment. Um, so I'm really excited to do an episode focused on this. I specifically wanted to have a boudoir photographer on the podcast at some point. And I came across Caitlin's content and I was like, her, this is the one, this is it. So it is a really powerful episode. So the bad news is as I was wrapping up this episode with Caitlin, I turned the recording off. We kept chatting and we had some really good conversation that I did not catch on the recording. But good news is that I think it will preface this episode really well. So I'm just going to recap it a little bit and go into um, a bit of what we touched on. The topic of this episode is really rooted in, yes, boudoir and understanding what that is, but more so um, body acceptance, whether you are in a body you are comfortable in, whether you're in a bigger body, a smaller body, whatever that looks like and feels like, um, that's kind of the root of this episode. And a conversation that I have a lot with clients is that they come to me and they're like, I want to lose weight or I want to gain weight. And I always say that we focus on health first and the weight will then settle, right? Our bodies want to be at a, at a certain weight. We have a, a number that our bodies consistently love to be at, to have healthy periods, healthy libido, healthy hair, all those things. And when we are really focusing on our health and we're doing the things to take care of our hormones and our well-being, and that's, you know eating nutritious foods and um, being active and getting enough sleep, weight will then settle. Your weight will find its way to a place that feels really good for your system and that reaches your goals. Caitlin and I talk in this episode about how it's almost feels like when you are actively working on like losing weight, having the dream body, whatever it is, 
you can never attain that because that is not necessarily what's real or what is sustainable for your body. That is something that I really want to emphasize before we go into this episode because we we talked about this really towards the end that you can never get to that quote unquote dream body because a lot of times it doesn't exist because of the media and how it portrays bodies and what we think we should look like. Everything is fucking edited. And so that's one big part of it. And the other part of it is that your body is going to find a place that it likes to be and that it feels comfortable and that it is healthy at. And that may not be the magical number that you have in your head. And so when we use that term of like, oh, you could never reach that. It's not that you can't reach a place where you feel healthy and um, like your body is thriving. It's that I want you to reevaluate where that idea is coming from, why you're focused on a number, why that's important to you. And hopefully as you're working towards um, healing and supporting your system and things like that, my goal for you would be to find things that are are not number-based, that you want to be active, that you want to feel good, that you want to have energy. Those are indicators of health and a healthy body. The, the weight, the number, the size, those are not indicators of what kind of body you have, how healthy your system is, how it functions. And so I could talk about this topic literally forever, but the point is I just want you to go into it with that mindset of, um, of where we're coming from in this episode. I do want to add a trigger warning here that this episode covers topics around um, disordered eating, body dysmorphia, things like that. So if that is a sensitive topic for you, this may not be the best episode. No big deal. There are tons of other episodes of Get Clitter you can check out that don't cover those topics. I always try to add a trigger warning either in the intro or in the description in the show notes. So check that out to be sure that it is an episode that would be a good fit for you. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. Okay, so today we are chatting with Caitlin of Caitlin Scott Boudoir, and she's a boudoir queen, and I am so excited to have her on the pod. Caitlin, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Yeah, seriously. You. Um, so I just really want to jump in because I'm so excited. I have so many questions for you. I Yay. love what you do. I think boudoir is amazing work. Um, so what got you into boudoir photography? So it's a bit of a long story, but um, I got into photography sort of unexpectedly. Um, My dad passed away in 2012 of Mm -hmm. a very unexpected blood clot. And ironically, right before that happened, about two weeks prior, we had scheduled our first family photo shoot in years. It was going to be me, my dad, my brother. And we got the call about a week before I got there that he had passed. And for me, it was this like really, um, really poignant moment because it was like that fear of loss that I didn't want anybody else to have. So when we spread his ashes, I bought my first big girl camera, my first professional camera with his life insurance money. Mm -hmm. And that had always been my why. Like I didn't want anybody else to experience that. So I started shooting part-time in 2012. And in 2016, the job I was with, we parted ways um, sort of unexpectedly as well. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, now's my chance. So in 2016, I started shooting a little bit of everything. Like weddings, events, headshots, real estate. Um, But there was this common theme across the board with almost everyone uh, that the disdain for their body would like, it was just, it was eminent. Like it was just like every single person hated their body. Oh, you're going to Photoshop this out. Oh, you're going to, you're going to fix these wrinkles. And it was always sort of made in this joking manner. And it really made me sad. Like it really, I would come home from family sessions specifically where the mom was frantic, trying to get everybody ready, no makeup on. She's putting it on in the parking lot. Husband doesn't want to be there. Kids are running crazy. Right. 
And it's supposed to be this really fun experience where you're just living in the moment and capturing these memories. And it was frantic. And then she'd get there and be like, well, I gained 45 pounds. So you're going to make me look younger and thinner. Right. Mm. And it like, wasn't ever funny to me. And I would go home and ache, ache. And I thought there has got to be a place that I can create that will allow people to just stand in their power, let them be seen for who they are and allow them to embrace their body right now, not in 10 pounds or two years or less wrinkles like right now. And Caitlin Scott was born out of that. Um, my dad's name ironically was Scott. So Caitlin Scott is my way to kind of honor his legacy and his name. Um, love that. so yeah, that's how Caitlin Scott was born. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. And I agree. I mean, I think we've all done that. Like I've, I've done lots of shoots for my work and you know, you go in and you're like, Oh, what, how do I feel about this? And does this outfit right. make me look big? Or like, you know, you go through right. all these things and um, no, I think it's amazing. I think boudoir is like such a way to embrace like where you're at and your body and mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful work. So yeah. with, you know, I, I know that your whole work is rooted really in body positivity and that's a huge passion of yours. So can you Absolutely. tell us more about your mission around this, how it's influenced your work? Absolutely. So body positivity was sort of where it started. Um, and now I'm, now that I have become more educated and really gotten down into the deep of this. I am more in the body liberation, fat activism, uh, body neutrality world, um, specifically because body positivity is this theory of like, oh, it's kind of watered down at this point of like, oh, I can just love my body and I'm in the body positive world, where the work that I'm doing, a lot of the people that walk into my studio can't even look at themselves in the mirror. They are struggling with even just accepting their body as it is. So there's not this like, easy, simple answer of you're going to do a photo shoot and you're going to love your body, right? Mm -hmm. All my goal and my mission with this studio is just to help people start the journey to walk down the path towards body neutrality, body liberation. And for me, if you come in hating your body, you're not going to walk out loving your body. It is a, it is a long, yucky, messy path to get from body hatred, which is where most of us reside on a day-to-day -day basis to body liberation, fat activism, body positivity, right? So like there's all these peaks and valleys. So my goal is just to help people feel seen in their current body to then start their path and their education down to body liberation. And that for me is allowing people to just come in and hold up a mirror to how beautiful they are and go, the person that you see in the mirror is not the person that the world sees. And that I think is the most important part is we, a lot of us have body dysmorphia and we don't know what our bodies really look like. So my goal is to show them as authentically as I can, who they are and how absolutely beautiful they are. And that's what I, that's my goal in this studio. And um, that's what I strive towards every single day. Mm, love it. So powerful. And I totally get that too. The, the, you see your body a certain way and it may not actually be right. how others perceive your body or how your body actually looks. I was actually yesterday I bought a bunch of jeans because I, my jean sides has fluctuated and I bought a bunch of jeans and they all came in and I bought a lot of like the same style or the same cut, just in different right. colors hmm. and same size, same cut, different colors. Some of them, I couldn't get them up my thighs. Others were like too big. And I'm like, this is the same size jean. And we place so much value on like our numbers and what we think like our body looks like. And I'm like, this is the same size jean. And one, one of them fits perfectly. And one of them, I literally can't get over my ass. So <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world. 
I get it. I mean, I was, when I was in the third grade, I wore a woman's size nine shoe. So like I, my body has never fit into societal's view of what's beautiful or accurate or right. So like right. that, that game of I'm going to order the pants that I like in a multiple different colors and some have stretch and some have none. And you yeah. get there and you're like, Oh, the world is ending. This is it. This is how I die. Gene hell. Like, yes. I'm like, why? I hate this. I'm back to leggings. Like it's over. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's our society doesn't do a great job in women's clothes. Like men, mm -hmm. you can go 32, 46 or whatever yes. it is. Right. And across the board, it's pretty much going to be that. Whereas mm -hmm. women's you put 12s, all these 12s next to each other. Some are going to fit like an eight and some are going to fit like a 16 mm -hmm. and like lingerie is the exact same thing. So when somebody walks into my studio, they go, oh, on average, I wear like a large and I literally dead ass look at them and go, well, that means you could be either a small or you could be a 3X <laughs> and there is the, no shame. Let go of anything that you think might, right. you might be and we're not going to look at numbers. I'm going to pull pieces that I think look beautiful. Don't worry about what size they are because that fucks with people's head. Yes. Hardcore. Hardcore. We need like a, like a color system or like, I don't know, <laughs> something that's not numbers. Yes, 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 absolutely. I'm pink today. Maybe tomorrow yes. I'll be <laughs> That's <laughs> what we need is like, I'm wearing my blue, blue jeans. Like that's what yes. I'm in. <laughs> oh, I love that. We should definitely start that. Absolutely. So in terms of your own relationship with your body, how do you feel like shooting boudoir and being in this, in this really this movement that you've created, how do you feel like that's changed your relationship with your body? Absolutely. Um, I will preface this with, I live in a very, uh, privileged body. I, I wear a pretty standard size 18, 20, a two X. So for the most part, I can walk into a store, uh, and find plus size clothes that fit me. Um, and because of that, the, the reason I do this and the reason I'm so vocal about this is because there is a huge group of this community that is way more marginalized than I will ever be. And my platform is used in order to create space for those people because those people need to be heard the most, right? So for me, I know I live in a privileged body, but I will also say it took a long time for me to even A, realize that and B, get to the point where I was confident enough in my skin to then be vocal about it. Mm -hmm. um, my whole life I've dealt with uh, disordered eating. Uh, I've had um, body dysmorphia like crazy. Um, in high school, I battled anorexia. Like there was a lot that happened in this. Uh, a lot of that stems from the fact that I played sports and I sort of felt like my worth was really reliant on my body and it had to be in shape and thin. And I was like a before and after queen photo queen. Like that was my jam, right? Um, and I didn't know how problematic all of that was, uh, because I was one of those people that it's like body positivity, this is a before and after photo. And I didn't realize how much harm I was doing to my own community. Right. Um, so for me, it took a lot of education and a lot of work to get to where I'm at, I'm at now, but like, there's not one thing on my body I would change. I love all of its quirks. I love all of its dimples, all of its rolls. Like, I just really love standing in my power and going, this is my body. I can't change it. This was the house I was gifted. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that the process of having people come in and seeing that no matter what size you are, everyone has the same insecurities made me really sit down and go, every single person I have shot has felt unworthy and not valid in their body and not good enough, never going to be good enough. So we can continue to live in this world of like, oh my God, my body's not thin enough, tall enough, fat enough, short enough, right? Or we can go, okay, 
I'm just going to love it for what it is. Uh, and I think really what really opened my eyes was just being able to see all different body types in their most vulnerable, most, most authentic moments and go, we battle the same thing. Wow. This is really cool. I'm not alone. You're not alone. There's a whole world of us out here that just doesn't want to talk about it. So that's my goal is to talk about it and bring it to the forefront so that it does create space for the most marginalized in our community. Yeah. I love that. So in terms of anyone like really starting on their journey to really body acceptance and, you know, feeling comfortable in their own skin, what would you say is your best advice around that? My number one advice, um, that I tell everybody is curate your feeds, uh, on social yes, media. snaps to that. Right. So on social media, you see people's best, right. Mm-hmm. And we all compare our worst to their very best. And a lot of that is centered in diet culture, which is fine. If you're in the diet culture world, cool. That's you. That's your jam. It is no longer my jam. Not my jam girl. <laughs> yes. The thing that was the most cathartic for me and the most healing was just yeeting accounts off my page that I was like, you make me feel like shit about myself. Bye. And if I didn't want to be mean, I just muted them. Yes. I'm with you. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a jerk. If that's your platform. And I followed you before I got into this journey. I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to affect your platform. Right. I just don't want to see your stuff because it's causing me emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. So that is my number one feed. Find accounts that don't look like you, that, uh, you don't aspire to be right. Body wise, uh, unfollow accounts that are in the diet culture, steeped in the diet culture, like teas and weight loss, uh, um, weight loss programs and, uh, cleanses, all of that, get it all off, right. Mm-hmm. Refill your feed with educational platforms that you can not only grow from, but that you can look at and start to normalize. Like, oh my gosh, this is what my body looks like. That girl is beautiful. And I have the same body type as her. Why don't I think that way about my own body, right? So yes. curating the feed is number one that I tell everyone from jump, that's what you need to do. And number two, find books and resources that make you feel seen and make you not feel alone. Mm-hmm. Those are my two top recommendations for sure. No, I totally agree. And you know, I, when I, when really when Instagram first started, I was in high school and one of the big things was all of these like, skinny blonde influencers. And when you were a 15, 16 year old girl consuming this information, I can't imagine what it's like today. Like I, I really cannot. Yeah. We had one platform. It was like Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And now it's like platform after platform after platform. And it's all inundated with these very beautiful, very thin, very white, very Mm -hmm. palatable influencers. And you're like, I, I'm never going to look like that. I'm never going to be worthy. Right. Right. I like, I remember very specifically, there was a, a blogger and she was Australian and she was beautiful and and blonde and, and, you know, white and and thin, tiny. And she did these, um, like beachy bathing suit type photos. And I would say maybe two years into her, her like influencer career, she did a tell all where she was like, I hate this. I hate the online space. Like I starved myself before photos and just like dished it all out. Mm-hmm. It was crazy and deleted all of her social media and just like never to be heard from again. And I was like, go you, I go think you. like, <laughs> yes, like, I'm so sorry you went through that, but also like, thank God you said this. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that for me was one of the most, like it clicked mm. because that was someone I had idolized, you know, as like a 16 year old girl, I saw this 
this beautiful, thin, whatever, all these things I thought I wanted to be. And I saw that and I was like, oh shit, maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. Right. Right. And how often growing up, maybe this was just a me thing growing up a fat kid, but how often did you look at magazines and then go stand in the mirror with your shirt up and go all the time, if I could just get rid of this, or I would do the thing where like, you know, where you can squish your belly button in and you can fold your stomach over so that it makes you look, yeah. I mean, I spent hours in the mirror and during my like real throes of not eating and anorexia and eating like a cliff bar a day. Right. Mm -hmm. Every time I walked into a mirror, I would pull my shirt up to make sure I hadn't gained weight. Yeah. Like the, the mirror checks. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. And it's so weird because I know I'm not alone in that. I know that Mm -mm. the majority of women are the same way. We just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. No. And and I I think your point of of finding people who look like you on your feed in a lot of like, like body type wise, that for me was such a big deal because I saw a lot of women who didn't have the body type that I thought that I wanted. Right. And, and like, I got some thick thighs and an ass, like, and I'm proud of it now, but for a long time, I was surrounded by like my friends who were much skinnier than I was. And I like was taller a lot of the times than many of my friends. And so I had the thighs for it and I had the ass for it. And like, it was there. And I have now started following women with like an ass and I'm like, Oh, right. I see that now. Like that can fit in jeans. Right. <laughs> this is what I look like. This is what my body looks like right. to the world. And goddamn, we think that person is so beautiful. Why don't I'm I like, she's so I'm hot. Literally <laughs> like I see plus size influencers now and I'm like, Oh my God, she is so gorgeous. And I yes. like, I don't know how people don't think that. Like, I don't know how our right. society pigeonholes plus size influencers into this whole category of she's pretty because, or she's pretty Mm -hmm. for a, like, Mm -hmm. fuck that. She's pretty period. Like, yeah. Why do we fit? Why do we try and cram specifically women, men to absolutely deal with body dysmorphia and body positivity issues, Mm -hmm. but women specifically, because I am a woman and I can relate, they give us this little box when we're born. And if we don't fit in it, then mm, sorry, your box got to go, right? Like there's no different box sizes. It's small, thin, white woman, right? If you don't fit in that, then you're never going to be traditionally pretty. Fuck that. Like Mm -hmm. I I just, I I struggle with the societal norms that we still live with. Like we've come so far, but we've not come far at all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just, it's such a weird thing to look back and go, man, I wish growing up, I had the exposure that I do now but it's still so small. Like we're cheering over this little fraction of a celebration. It's like, what in the world? I don't know. I could talk for days. Yeah. No, I love it. I was on, um, there's a model that I follow and she's a sports illustrated swimsuit model. And I love her because she doesn't fit the traditional, like Mm -hmm. sports illustrated swimsuit model body type. Right. And I was on their page yesterday, actually. And they actually do a very good, and there may be like some nuances around sports. Like there may be stuff that I don't know. And I don't like, like there could be like some toxicity within that, that I'm unaware of, but based on their Instagram, I was looking even yesterday and they have so many different body types Mm -hmm. and it's such like a beautiful collection of like, here's hot women of all different sizes and they all look hot as fuck. Like they look so good. Right. And there's still so much room for growth there. Like 
they are only showcasing plus size bodies that are palatable. So like a flatter tummy, mm. a thicker ass, yeah. thicker thighs, like but where are the women that have the beautiful belly rolls and like the arm creases and like the thin legs, but the really beautiful big belly. Like why are, why are those women not on that platform? Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's still a very um, boxed in standard for beauty, even in the plus size world. And those plus size women that you see on their page are like 16, 18s. They're not the 26s, 28s, right. Um, Or the infinity fats or six X plus, like Mm -hmm. I will celebrate when those people who are the most marginalized in our group our showcase, that's when I will celebrate. That's when I'm going to say, okay, cool. You've done it. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've arrived. You got there. Yeah. (laughs) So I really want to talk about this topic and I think it'll be fun, um, for, for the listeners. So in terms of taking like your own sexy selfies, nudes, things like that, do you have tips for that? Oh, I definitely do. So I knew you would. (laughs) I definitely do. So my TikTok platform has a whole bunch of videos on it's a whole series on how to take your own um, DIY boudoir. And the reason I do this and people go, you're crazy. You're a photographer. You're taking money out of your own pocket. My answer to that is no, you will mm-hmm. never get the same experience in studio that you do at home. You just won't. Right. But boudoir should be accessible to every single person. And that means mm-hmm. the barriers like cost, uh, location, accessibility should all be taken down. Right. Right. Because if you walk around feeling better in your body, you're a better human, you're a better woman, you're a better uh, decision maker, you make better choices in your life, you defend yourself more, right? So those barriers should be taken out of the equation and that's my goal. So tips and tricks for um, DIY boudoir at home. Number one, (laughs) remember to give yourself a lot of grace. It is squiggly and hard to begin with, especially if you've not seen your body in a while, right? So- Mm -hmm. That is my number one rule. If you're going to do DIY boudoir at home, you need to give yourself a lot of grace and you need to know that you're going to fuck up over and over and over and you're going to feel squiggly. You might even cry when you first start, but don't give up. Even if you just do your recording to start and then you don't look at it and you don't take screenshots, but you keep doing it, it will get easier. So my number one tip and trick for uh, DIY boudoir at home is set your phone to record, not to take photos. And I say this because no matter what, it's still going to be a cell phone quality photo. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of apps that you can use, but oftentimes I get blurry images that way. So number one step is to take your phone, turn it around and use your back camera. Just turn it to video. Just set it mm-hmm. to record in a room with some good natural light and let it just let it just go. And you're going to just roll around and feel on yourself and arch your back and play with your hair and bite your lip and look at the camera, look down at your body. That's all you need to do to start, right? Until you know some like tips and tricks for posing and things like that. The number one thing, just set your phone to record. And then when you go to take screenshots, actually pause your video where you want the screenshot, tap the video once and then take a screenshot from your recording. That's my number one um, recommendation. Number two is good natural light or good directional light. That is the, besides the recording, that's probably your, the hardest thing for people to understand. When you're shooting boudoir, you want it to be kind of moody and Mm -hmm. oftentimes kind of like shadowy, you're using light and shadow to kind of define your body. So directional light means directional from one location. So if you're standing next to the window, turn sideways so that half of your body is lit and then the rest goes to shadow. Or if you don't have natural light, like a window, use a ring light, use a lamp, 
have your partner hold a flashlight, whatever, <laughs> right? And use directional light to really get that pretty moodiness. And there's so much more to that, but those two, if you can conquer those two, you can do anything, right? You can pose yeah. and look sexy and dance around. And I want you to jiggle and see your body. And like, I think those are all really important pieces, but the light and the camera thing, those are the two most important for sure. Mm -hmm. So for people who want to do boudoir sessions, what do you, why do you feel like they should do one? First of all, like, why should someone like come into a boudoir studio or, or hire a photographer and do that? Absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, I think everyone should do boudoir um, for a lot of reasons. Number one, it is a very vulnerable experience. And for a lot of people, in order to get past the gremlins of your body shame and body hatred, you have to start seeing your body, right? Just like Brene Brown says, if you don't bring them to the light, they don't die. So for me and why I do what I do is it allows you to stand in your power, be seen sometimes for the first time in a long time. A lot of these women that come, they go, ah, my partner doesn't even see me naked. Like, mm -hmm. so you have to really bring those gremlins to the light. And I think that's the first thing that really allows people to, um, to do that because they're standing bearing their soul in front of somebody that they probably have just met. So that's kind of my first thing and why people should do it. But the second thing is I lost my dad early. We've just talked about that. The story of your life is told through images, right? Not just to your family, but to anybody that knew you. And if you are not in photos, your story is not told. And I say this all the time, but a photo on earth is never taken for you. It's for who you leave behind. Mm. If you are not comfortable in your skin, getting in photos with your family because of how you look, your story is left untold. And that is really sad for the people that you leave behind. So my, my theory behind this is if you can go in and you can do a boudoir shoot, you can decide, I'm either going to do a virtual boudoir, I'm going to do my own boudoir, or I'm going to go do a boudoir in a studio. If you can stand in your power in front of a camera, butt naked, standing with your family at the beach in khakis and a white shirt is going to feel like a fucking <laughs> walk in the park, right? So true. So that is my biggest why. If you can come and be seen and see your body for how beautiful, how authentic, how genuine you are, then standing with your family in front of a theme park or a bridge, whatever, is gonna feel so easy for you. And then you've told your story and you've made a ripple in this world that your children or your family can keep forever, right? Mm -hmm. So that's my big why and that's why I do what I do for the most yeah. part. Yeah, and I agree with that. I, you know, I did my, the first time I did my, my boudoir shoot, the very first boudoir shoot I ever did, I was like, oh, I'm doing something so scandalous. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and the first time I did it, I, I remember getting those photos back and be like, holy shit, I'm hot. Like, yes. Yes. I, I don't think you necessarily, you do feel hot in the session. Like I felt great doing it. Right. But I think getting that photo afterwards and like seeing my body, I was like, damn, like she's got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, who is she? I like her. Yes. Um, and, and I think that's such like a powerful moment. And I think we've all felt like that, like taking like a good photo or something, but it's, it takes it to a whole other level when you see yourself like tits out in a photo and you're like, damn, I look good. <laughs> good. What? Who is that snack? I'm horrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. yes. Yes. And I, I think, powerful. yeah, I think it, I think it's so powerful. And that's why I love this, 
why I love boudoir so much, because I think it is so much more than like just the photos. And, you know, oh, obviously man. I take it to another level where I'm like, Hey, Instagram, here's my nudes basically. Um, and not everyone has to do that or wants to do that. But I think even just having them for yourself mm-hmm. to know that you're hot as fuck is really important. And I will tell you this story. So, um, right before I started Caitlin Scott officially, Mm-hmm. Um, I used to shoot real estate photography and two separate events happened kind of back to back. So the first one, I was in a home of a woman. She was probably 80, 85 at this point, And she was drinking orange juice out of a martini glass. This woman was my, the epitome of what I want to be in life. Right. So as I'm walking around, she had these beautiful black and white photos on her wall and they were nude bodyscapes. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really pretty. This is what I want to do in life. She goes, guess who that is? I said, I don't know. She goes, it's me. She was 19 in Paris and somebody had asked her to do, to sit, to model for him. Mm -hmm. She goes, I have carried those photos around since then because I was never going to be younger and I was never going to be more beautiful. So I agreed to it. That happened. And then almost immediately, about a week later, I was in line at a grocery store. Also a very, very beautiful older woman. She's getting her wallet out, right? And in it flips open this photo and it's her in the same thing, like nudes, very young. She goes, girl, I've been carrying this around forever. And I was like, that was my sign. That was it. That was like, that's why. Oh, I have chills. I know it was so crazy, but she carried her around a black and white photo of herself in nudes in her wallet. I was like, I want to be that. I want to be that. That is right? Like celebrate our bodies. Cause we all know we look back at photos when we thought we were, uh, unattractive or fat or whatever. And you look at those now and you're like, what, what was going on in my brain? Cause I was stunning then yes. I'm stunning now. I was stunning then. So yeah, I think it's super important. I do too. And I think it's a, it's a way to appreciate your body and it's a way to like show up in self-love in a totally unique way. You know, we can do all the things at home and the bubble baths and the self-care and that's all beautiful. But I think this is like a whole different type of showing up and like dedication to your body because you're capturing like a forever moment. Yeah. And it's tangible and you can have Mm -hmm. it and you can look back on it. I had a really sweet message from somebody the other day and she goes, I was having a really bad day. And then I went and looked at my gallery and I feel so much better. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I started to cry. I'm like, this is why I do what I do. Maybe we should all start our day with like looking at our own nudes. Or like our own boudoir. I could not agree more. Yeah, that's my morning routine. I get up, I get my coffee, I look at myself, and then I go on about my day. I was actually, I hate that I'm confessing to this, but I um, love a little bit of Real Housewives. And um, yeah, like, you know what? I can like be a boss bitch and like do what I do and also like watch Real Housewives. Like, it's fine. Um, And so I was watching it and they were, were making fun of Lisa Vanderpump for her iPad screen being a photo of her. And it's this, it's this photo of her like lounging on a couch with like her dog. And she's got this like sexy top on and she looks great. And she was like, why can't this be my iPad? Like background? Like, why, why is anyone questioning this? And I was like, you're right. Why is anyone questioning that? Oh girl, my background on my computer is my naked ass. Love it. I, I kid you not. It is a photo that was taken in 2018 and I'm like kneeling, kind of playing with my hair. People walk in and that's the first thing they see. <laughs> like, Hello, this is my ass. It's also the backdrop to my laptop, which I had to take into Apple. And I literally was like, <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm a boudoir photographer. That's my naked butt. Sorry. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any 
shame. Like I put my naked butt on the internet. So let's be really honest. I take selfies all the time and I put them on Instagram so that people know I do what I do and I walk the walk as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not just asking you to come and get naked. Like that's me. That's my whole naked body right there. Yeah. I think that's important. No, I think that's so important. So specifically, Okay. So I'm in a bunch of Facebook groups for like hosted by boudoir photographers. And a lot of these conversations come up around like, Oh, I will do a session when I will do a session when I lose the weight or when I have the baby or when whatever the the thing is. So what, I know that's like some, a lot of people's hesitation for doing a boudoir session. What are your thoughts around that? Well, I, I come from a little bit of a different background because uh, for my dad, there was no win if, and then when, right. Um, You are not guaranteed tomorrow. And the longer you wait to do something that is empowering and will help in your life, the longer you waste your life, the longer you continue to not show up for yourself and you put priority over everything else. And for me, I want people to know that no matter what their body, their exterior looks like, they are still worthy and valid and whole and supported and deserving of dope fucking images, right? Mm -hmm. Our bodies are built to ebb and flow. They are always weight cycling. They are always in fluctuation. There is no end. There is no finish line to this game of life, right? Yes. Even if you get to your end weight, I promise you, you are going to gain it back because diets don't fucking work. Mm -hmm. You are just weight cycling. So if you wait until your weight cycle is low, you've wasted months, years of your life. Why? Right? Because we have some like societal expectation that you should look X, Y, and Z to get boudoir photos. Fuck that noise. You can be a size double zero. You can be a size 36, 40. I don't care what you are. You are worthy of dope photos. And I try and reiterate that over and over and over. The longer you wait, the longer you waste your life. And you are not fucking guaranteed tomorrow. You could wake up with a blood clot that started in your legs and ended in your lungs and they find you three days later, mm-hmm. period, right? Like there is no guarantee that tomorrow is going to happen or that you're going to have a body that's able enough to do boudoir tomorrow. You might wake up and get in a car accident. You may have a freak accident. You might, it doesn't matter. So like the longer you wait, the longer you continue to wait to show up for yourself, mm-hmm. which if your cup is not full and you don't feel whole and worthy in your body, how the fuck are you filling your family's cup? How are you filling your spouse's cup or your partner's cup or your uh, work's cup? If you're pouring from an empty glass, like, I don't know. I just, I'm super passionate about that because we spend all of our lives waiting for the end result and there's no finish line, right? Right. The finish line is always elusive. It's always going to be out in front of you. Oh, when I'm less wrinkly. Oh, when I lose the weight. Oh, when my kids are older. Oh, uh, uh. It's never, there's no, you never cross that line. Mm-hmm. So you can wait your whole life, but why? Well, and so, you know, so many thoughts right now in my mind that I want to elaborate on. I lo- love what you said because I, you know, as a health coach and this being like what I do, I work with like weight and hormones and these are the things I work with. And I think sometimes it's shocking to people that like, I'm still actively like working on my health or like, I'm still actively working on my mindset around my body. And I think that is a forever journey and my weight while I like take great care of my health and whatever stress, or we travel, like my weight fluctuates all the time. And, and while I would say that I'm like at a healthy weight that feels good in my body, I still have days where I'm like, "Mm, definitely like 
not feeling like my best today. Like we have days like that. Right. And, and I think you're right. Like if you wait on that moment of like, oh, I finally feel quote unquote perfect. Now I'm going to do it. I don't know that I would ever done any of it. I don't know that I would ever start my business. I don't know. Like none of that would have happened. Right. Right. And, and I, I was having this like kind of like thought process with myself the other day is I really lived when I had really, really acne that just covered my, my face, my neck. I was painful. I had all these things in the back of my mind. I was going to do this when the acne has gone. I deserve to get engaged when I don't have acne. I deserve to have a hot body, quote unquote, when I don't have acne. And Mm -hmm. I put all these things in my mind, these beliefs and something that, you know, the acne cleared and I still had all this shit because I had all these beliefs around my value was in my appearance. And I often think that people think that, oh, well, just if I fix my health issue or if I address my weight, I will then feel X, Y, Z. That is not the case. There's still mental shit to do. Yeah. There's still an emotional component. Exactly. And your body, we tie so much of our mental health to our exterior and our well-being and our worth to our exterior, right? If you are a person that ties your worth to your exterior until you get to your quote unquote ideal body, which is an unattainable norm that our society has instilled, based on photoshopping and the media and all sorts of stuff. My friend, you are never going to get there. You are never going to be a size double zero that has been photoshopped and uh, edited to hell. You are never going to be there. So your what's going on here between your eyeballs and between your ears is never going to be to a place where you are worthy enough for photos because it's all tied to your exterior to an unattainable norm. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you can wait, but you're never going to be what you see in the media. You are never going to be what you see as a celebrity. Like you, mm-hmm. you're just never going to get there. And there's no shame in that. There's right. no shame in that. But if you wait, you're never going to get there because it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Thank you. There is no finish line. It right. does not exist. Yes. Right. And I, yes. you know, that's something I talk about my clients a lot is because they come to me and they're, they want to lose what I often say is like unnecessary weight. Like there's a level of like healthy weight we need weight. And that is so misconstrued in the media, but that is its whole other conversation is, you know, they're like, I, I don't feel comfortable in my body, whatever it is. They want to lose whatever weight's impacting their health. And, and that's something we talk about a lot is like, okay, the mental side of it is like, we can get you to where you feel comfortable, but we are not focusing on a number. Like what is a weight where you still have your period, where your hair still grows healthy, where you have the energy to go about your day. That's a great weight. That's a weight for you where you feel sexy, you feel hot, like all of those things. And I think that that is a huge mindset shift for people is going from, I want to be X number, but is Mm -hmm. X number an actual number that your body can and wants to be at? I mean, I used to do that forever. I thought I wanted to be at a, at a a certain weight and my body just didn't want to get there. I mean, I would have to diet and exercise and do all these things to get there. And I realized I kept coming back to the same, the same number quote unquote, or like, you know, the fluctuate the same five pounds. And I was like, I, this is the weight where I'm healthiest. I can sure, sure. I can get to that weight, the unhealthy weight and, you know, be where I want to be and fit the size I think I should fit, but I don't have a period and I feel like shit and I have to take naps because I'm so tired throughout the day. Is that worth it? Right. You don't have sex. You've got low libido. You've got all the weird, all the weird shit. And our bodies, our bodies are incredible because they are built to keep us alive. They are built to help. us. Yes. 
which means they are going to fluctuate to the weight that they feel the happiest and yes. the most content, no matter what you fucking do to it. Right. So like, it's going to come back. You could starve yourself. You can do this, that, and the other, and your body is fighting you to get back to where it feels the safest, mm-hmm. where it knows you walking around, you're not going to keel over and have a heart attack. You walking around, uh, isn't going to, um, cause X, Y, and Z to happen. You're still going to have a period. You're going to have good libido. Like your hair is going to grow those. And it's the concept of health at every size. Like you can't look at somebody and go, you're fat and you need to lose weight for your health because you don't know what that body is, is doing. Mm -hmm. You don't know if that person's healthy. You don't know. You don't know anything about people that are walking around. Right. Mm -hmm. But our society tells us to judge, to prejudge people based on their exterior alone. And that is a very dangerous place because it creates a lot of hatred and a lot of room for, um, discrimination against people who do live in a bigger or plus size or fat body, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, our society says, Oh, I'm, I'm doing this for your health. Well, you don't actually, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on in that person's life. Maybe they're going through, um, major trauma, major stress. Maybe their spouse just died. You don't fucking know. Right. So like, there's this whole concept for me and for a lot of people in this industry, like we can't prejudge somebody based on just their size alone, Mm -hmm. but doctors, society, all sorts of stuff is tied into your weight. And there's all these weight stigmas. So like things like not asking to see your weight at a doctor's office, Mm -hmm. people don't know that you can do that. You can walk in and say, I don't want my, I don't want you to know. I don't want me to know my weight, or I don't want you to tell me my weight. Sorry. You know what I meant? Um, just having the wherewithal that those are things that are available to you and knowing that health at every size is a thing that exists. And there are resources about that. And knowing that like your body is going to always ebb and flow and it's okay. It's always going to change. And that's what makes this really cool. Like Mm -hmm. that's what makes the human body dope for me. And also just to add to that, fuck BMI, like, (laughs) Oh, yo, (laughs) yes, ma'am. Fuck BMI. Yes. Just, yeah, that is, yeah. if anyone is listening to this and thinks their BMI is relevant, it's not. fucking not, <laughs> it's not, no ma'am, no, never Google it again. Oh, yes, agreed. Couldn't agree more. Fuck your BMI. Yes. And I think this also, obviously we're talking a lot about like plus size bodies and, um, you know, that sort of thing. But I also think this applies to women who feel like they can't gain weight. Like they're struggling to gain Absolutely. weight. I think, yes. you know, this this conversation is, is equally as important and relevant for that because, um, you know, I have clients on that, that side of the spectrum too, where they're like, they're like please, I just want to gain weight. And it's really about like finding a, a healthy space where you feel good. You have, like we said, you have energy, you have your period and there's like no magic number for that or no magic size for that or no magical appearance for that. No, no. And we're all, how boring would this world be if we all look the same? Oh my God. <laughs> right. Like, I, my goal is to create space for all bodies. My slogan is embrace all bodies. That has Mm -hmm. been since 2017, because I don't want this just to be a space for plus size bodies. Mm -hmm. I want it to be a space for all bodies. And a lot of insecurities that very, very thin women and men feel are similar and in the same vein as somebody who is living in a very plus size body. They don't feel like they fit in. They don't feel like society thinks they're beautiful. All of those things, all of those insecurities, like they're very similar and like, just because my lived experience is different, doesn't nullify your trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, just because I live in a different body doesn't nullify your insecurities. Like 
we do this thing where we compare insecurities. Well, I get called super skinny. Well, I get called super fat. Both of them are problematic. Mm-hmm. And that's a society issue. That's not a you issue. That's a society that we're steeped in, in diet culture issue. Right. So like, I don't know. I just think there's nobody, nobody is, uh, nobody is exempt from insecurities. No one, no one, even the ideal bodies, like women that walk in and I'm like, Oh my God, you were like a perfect size four and you got perky tits and a big ass and like no thighs. What? And like some of those times, those, those women and men are the most insecure. And I think there's also a lot of shame for people who do live in thinner bodies for having insecurity. It's like they, they already feel, especially if they're trying to actively gain weight, there's a lot of shame in that. And because we live in a society that values thin bodies and it's like, oh, I don't, I've just seen that so many times on social media where someone's like, you know, trying to gain weight. People are like, why you're thin. And it's like, she can want to gain weight or to shift or whatever that looks like. I think there's a lot of shame in that as well. And I think sometimes that's forgotten. Oh yeah, it absolutely is. And that stems from putting too much of an emphasis on somebody's worth being tied to their exterior. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this conversation. This is so amazing. And I love, I just adore you and I love to pick your brain. Oh, thank Um, you. I feel the same about you. I think you're doing the most badass shit. I just do. I think you're incredible. (laughs) I love your podcast and you're, there needs to be more of yous in this world where you're bringing, you're bringing things to light that people they're like, almost taboo. People don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And why, like, mm-hmm. why, why do we continue to hide behind conversations that are hard to have? Mm-hmm. Let's have them. Let's get uncomfortable because if I can show my, my things and be like, Hey, this is happening to my clients or to me. And yeah. somebody goes, Oh my God, I thought I was alone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I see this happen in my Facebook group all the time where people just yes. like, they're like, I don't know if anyone ever experiences this, but whatever. And then like 15 women are like me, me, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yes, me too. It's my favorite. It's so good to see. Yeah. Yeah. So where can we find you? Plug all your stuff. I would love to promote the heck out of you. Absolutely. So um, Facebook is Caitlin Scott Boudoir and so is Instagram. Uh, My TikTok platform is actually my full name. It's just Caitlin Guild. Um, So if you are interested in the like the tutorials on Mm. on how to do DIY Boudoir at home, TikTok is where you want to be. And that is Caitlin Guild. Um, and otherwise my email address is Caitlin at caitlinscott.com. So if you have any inquiries or anything like that, email is going to be the easiest. Cool. Sure. I will link all of that stuff. And I actually found you through TikTok. That's how, yeah. Isn't that so cool? <laughs> I do. I love it. I love it. I love it because it creates connections with people that like, I probably would never have found you had that not, you know what I mean? Like, right. which sucks. I mean, I, I'm missing out on a lot of really dope people because of that, but it just opens this channel of like accessibility I agree. to like-minded people. And that makes me super happy. Well, Cause it's easy for, it's easier. I should say for shit to go viral. And so it's easier to find new people and connect with people. And I found some like really badass, just people who do different, amazing things and just through TikTok. And it's yeah. fascinating to me. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's super great. It's super well, thank, great. You thank you so, so much. Oh, I feel so honored. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Get Cliterate Podcast. We release a new episode every single week, so go ahead and hit subscribe. We'd love for you to leave us a review and let us know what you think of the show. You can learn more about myself, your host, Callie Shea, by visiting my website, callieshea.com, or by visiting my Instagram, at Callie Shea. If you want to stay in the loop with what's happening on the podcast, you can follow at Get Cliterate on Instagram.